0: Hi, welcome to the ACC Now podcast. I am C.L. Brown, UNC beat writer for the Raleigh News and Observer, and he is Steve Wiseman, the Duke beat writer for the News and Observer and Herald Sun. So, uh, Steve, let's just jump right into it. I mean, we're both covering teams that are coming off big losses in Florida. Well, (laughs) one one a little bigger than the other. (laughs)
1: They both count the same in the standings, right?
0: <laughs> exactly. Whether it's <laughs> one or 28 points. Oof. But, um, and and ironically, it moved Miami and Florida State to one and two in the ACC standings, which I don't think anybody really saw that coming at this point in the season so far. Um, let, let's start with Duke. How, did, how does Duke bounce back from uh, their second loss in the conference play Um Uh,
1: to a team from Florida. (laughs) Yeah, they're 0-2 against the Florida teams now, right? So uh, Florida's taken over the triangle. They flexed their muscles uh, on Tuesday night uh, on both ends of the state. But, um, yeah, you know, Duke uh, didn't take care of the ball, didn't handle Florida State's pressure very well. Uh, Coach K said it was the most physical game they had played this year, and that usually means he thinks they got pushed around, so – and they really did. Uh, they couldn't get into their offense very well, particularly early in the second half. They, they got a five point halftime lead. They kind of look like, okay, they're on their way here. And Florida state comes out and just, you know, boom, first four minutes, of the second half takes the lead again. They had one possession where I think they missed four shots before they finally scored. They got, you know, five offensive rebounds basically in one possession or four. Mm. So that kind of stuff was going on. Right. And, um, Uh, So it was a, you know, kind of a dose of reality there a little bit. I mean, Duke uh, turned the ball over a lot when they lost to Miami. They had 17, they had 15 against Florida state again, you know, just not being comfortable in their offense. And uh, both times Miami and Florida state have veteran guards and those type of teams have been able to, to do pretty well against Duke this year. um, uh, In those two situations anyway. Uh, So that's what they've got to, they've got to look at here, they've got to address, they've got to be able to to, to pressure guards that are experienced and aren't going to be flustered, right? That's what you know, usually do kind of can uh, uh, can force their will on people, and they weren't able to do that against those two teams. And so that's that's an area where they're going to have to really kind of look at and, and get better.
0: You know, it's funny. I kind of feel like there are similarities between – Duke and Carolina's losses, um, you mentioned the turnovers against Miami, uh, and Carolina's done a, a pretty decent job this year about, you know, handling the ball, um, much better than they were last year in terms of turnover, their turnover rate, but, uh, they had, they, they gave up 30 points off turnovers. <laughs> They're yeah. out for 30 to five on points off turnovers. That's, that's basically the game right there, you know? Um, yeah. If if that was more a more reasonable number, then they probably would have been right in there, and uh, their inability to uh, to stop guys from penetrating, like the the guard trio Charlie Moore, Cameron Mcgusty, Isaiah Wong, kind of kind of had their way getting into the lane and everything. Which which brings me up to Coach K went zone late in that game, right? Uh, he did. Yep. Florida State and that's something that we haven't seen North Carolina do yet. And I, I asked Hubert Davis about that because it would seem, you know, with the problems that they have allowing dribble penetration, which was the the worst two games were Tennessee and Kentucky. And, and both of those teams score 54 points in the paint. Kentucky was just the layup line. Like it mm-hmm. was, it was absurd <laughs> the way they did it, but um, uh, it, it, it just sounded like it's something that, that Hubert, uh, has thought about, has looked into, but hasn't actually, hasn't actually implemented in a game yet. So I, I, I think maybe moving forward, we may see that a splash of that from North Carolina as well. And it seems like both of these teams aren't playing that well away from home. I mean, Duke, what two of their three losses are away games, true road mm-hmm. games. Uh, Carolina's last two road games, they've lost. They won at Georgia Tech and at um, at Boston College and Col- College of Charleston. They they have won on the road, but when it's a team that's a little bit better <laughs> than those other three teams that I mentioned, they they've had their problems. So and and you know they're facing another formidable game on Saturday at Wake Forest. Uh, they could very easily lose that game. Wake Forest is on on the uptick in the ACC, so. Um, and Wake
1: is the one place where Duke has won on the road. Um, oh, yeah. And they, yeah. they won without Coach K. That was the game he was sick and not on the trip. So this farewell tour through the ACC, uh, he's lost. Well, he lost the Florida State game. He lost at Ohio State. That was the other loss they had. That wasn't an play, but. Yeah, but they're zero and two with K in the building on the ro- on the you know in a true road environment. So whatever that whatever that means. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it,
0: it it I feel like there is a, there is something to be said with you know still. I mean, Carolina doesn't have a young team. I'm not trying to make an excuse like that, but you know you're you're talking about two guards, sophomore guards, and R.J. Davis and Caleb Love who didn't really play in front of crowds last year. So this is their first taste of, of road games. But the funny thing is, when they played at Notre Dame, the students were on break still um, from the holidays. It, it, there, there was a sizable number of Carolina fans in the crowd. It wasn't it wasn't a great you know, atmosphere. And the same thing at Miami. Like, I was kind of shocked at the amount of people that didn't come to that game. And, and again, there was a sizable amount of Carolina blue in the stands. And it, it wasn't that typical hostile environment, but it is still a foreign environment that they just didn't, for whatever reason, didn't come out and play well in. So I think it'll be the same thing on Saturday at Wake Forest in terms of, uh, well, actually, I think Wake Forest will have a better crowd than than their previous, uh, you know, road games. Uh, yeah,
1: I I, I can concur about that. I mean, their their crowd for Duke was was electric, and, you know, it's been a few years since I've seen that building like that. I know Luke yeah. DeCock and I mentioned it before in some other podcasts that our writing, but it's nice to see Steve Forbes get that place going again, right? I mean, Tie-Dye Nation and all that stuff. I mean, there were a lot of students at that game against Duke. They Using only the, the lower deck, they went into the upper deck as well, and I would imagine we'll see the same thing for Carolina, although, Carolina will travel pretty well to that game too. There'll be some, some light blue in the crowd, but yeah, uh, it'll sure. it'll be a great environment. It's 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 good for the ACC. It's good for the ACC that that Wake and and other places like that uh, have those kind of environments again uh, and, yeah. and can make that happen.
0: Yeah, and just to throw this in there before we switch gears, um, NC State they lost another tough one to Virginia Tech at at home. Um they're sitting at 2 and 6 in the league right now. Uh just fell one game under 500 overall at 9 and 10 and they have Virginia coming to PNC on Saturday. Um what what is your take on like I I do like the fight that it seems like this team continues to have. I mean, <laughs> they're not getting beat by 28 points and and not seeming to compete in games. Like they they are giving what they have, but I just feel like they're so limited. And their margin of error is so thin. Uh, and then they lose another player in in Ernest Ross, um, you know, to an injury, a freshman uh, in their front court. So it's it's like it's, <laughs> it's, it's slim pickings over there for Kevin Keats right now. What What's your kind of take on where NC State is right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, they've got, you know, c Bronze, an all-ACC type player, right? DeGravian Smith's one of the better freshmen uh, in the league. They've got a couple of guys that can do some things. Uh, but boy, they, you know, when they lost Manny Bates early, that just really changed the whole trajectory of that team. And, um, any chance they had, uh, trying to move up in the ACC pecking order and get up there closer to, you know, the middle seven, eight, you know, six, six place, maybe in the conference, uh, fell apart then they just don't have enough horses to do that. But, but like you said, you mentioned their fight. I mean, when they played Duke on that Saturday afternoon, uh, last week, um, you know, they were close to getting run out of the building early in the second half. They got up to 19 point lead, you know, and crazies are going nuts like they always do. It's like 15 minutes to go and you're like, okay, this game's over, you know, and it's going to end up being a 30 point game. Well, they got it back down to single digits, you know, and uh, for a while there, they end up losing, you know, by 15. But, but again, they just, uh, you know, Keats is doing good things there with them. I mean, uh, the Bates injury is nothing you can do about it. That's how it is. But um, you know, I feel bad for him because he, he, um, he kind of has a, um, a mentality over there. I mean, they're, they're tough minded. They really are. And I know there's no moral victories. Nobody wants that. That's not going to keep us, you know, getting new contracts for him or anything, but, but the way they're handling this situation in this circumstance, uh, is, is commendable and, and they're, they're playing hard. The kids aren't, aren't quitting. They're, they are not quitting. I don't Anybody who says they're quitting is wrong. I can tell you if I'm of them play in person. Yeah. And I, I just like, I like Seaborn as a player, I like Smith, um, you know, Jericho Helms can do some things. He's not to their level, but he's a good kind of a role player. Um, but they're, you know, they're going to have a hard time, you know, ending up with a winning record in the conference. I mean, just because they're already off to this kind of the slow start, but what they did against Virginia Tech shows you what they're capable of. Right. I yeah. mean, they yeah. went up there uh, on the road. They lost at home there tonight, but. Uh, and just kind of blew them out, blew them out of their own building. So uh, it's there at times. They just don't have enough to to bring it every night.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, let us switch topics to more of a. Uh, uh, there have been a lot of hot takes. <laughs> There's certainly been coaches uh, who are plugging their own players, but. The ACC Player of the Year race, um, to me, I I, I think it comes it's going to come down to five players as of right now, um, and depending on how everything else shakes out. But if you had to vote right now, who would your ACC Player of the Year be?
1: Well, at the at the risk of sounding like you know it's the the guy I see play every night, but Caro uh just does so many things i mean yeah. every night it seems like he's on the verge of a triple double and he did it the other night against florida state you know it's over 20 points 12 rebounds seven assists or eight seven assists i guess it was um and uh i think as this year goes on he's going to they're going to rely on him even more i mean they better is is if they're going to win and win games like they lost against florida state where you know, right down at the end of the game, it wasn't, he didn't have the ball in his hands. It was Wendell Moore, right? I mean, that's probably not what you really want. (laughs) And Coach K, you know, defended Wendell and said he did the right thing. He took the ball. He went to the basket. He said he needs to go all all the way to the basket, not stop for a jumper and get it blocked. But Ben Carroll was kind of out at the top of the key. I know I'm kind of getting off what we're talking about here a little bit, but just to kind of explain it, like, I think he'll end up with the ball in those situations more As this year goes on, which is going to lead him to player of the year type plays, right? Winning baskets, that kind of thing. That's, that's what I'm getting at. But, you know, he's, he's averaging 18 points a game. He's going to, that's where he's going to end up 18, 20 points a game. And um, he's going to be the number one or one of the top three picks in the draft. So just right now, I think he's doing enough in all aspects of the game to, to look at and be the player of the year.
0: See, I think what it comes down to is really what individual voters look for. Because on one hand, I, I'm with you. If I was voting right now, it would be ben Carroll for me too. And I look at it as the best player. Like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not worried about necessarily the stats because if you interchange players on different teams, a team that doesn't have as much talent around him, you know, his average could be 25 right now. You know, he, he would be the guy taking all of the shots and that kind of thing. I, 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 and I think his overall game, as you just summed up, it's just better than everybody else. But that doesn't mean there isn't a case to be made for other players. And I feel like, it, depending on how you vote, depending on what your criteria is, I would start with Alondis Williams at Wake Forest. I mean, if you, you know, from how far they've come in year two under Steve Forbes, I mean, this kid was only averaging like six and a half a game at, at Oklahoma last year. Like, he was he was more of a role player. Um, he was like third, <laughs> their third different or three deep on the on the depth chart at small forward guys playing in front of him. And so for him to come out in average 20 a game and, and kind of be the, you know, the heartbeat, if you will, of that Wake Forest team, um, he's going to get a lot of votes. Uh, obviously, at NC State, we've seen what uh, Daron Seabren has done this year um, in carrying that team. But see, that's that's also what I go to. Like he has to <laughs>
1: because Right. He, he's their scorer, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. But yeah. he did. I mean, I would have thought that, you know, just on paper at the beginning of the year, I probably would have said Jericho Helms is the guy who ends up being the big score for state and kind of uh paces that team. I I wouldn't have picked Seabron, but um he's definitely been doing a great job. And then we get to Hubert Davis, who said mm-hmm. Armando Baycutt was point blank, period, or end of discussion. I forgot how he put it. <laughs> he put a period at the end
1: saying a period. That he
0: was player of the year. And he has done uh, a great job this year. The thing about Armando that I, I, from previous years, that I wanted to see from him was just consistency because he would show you these flashes where you think, oh, he's going to be a dominant player. And then he would disappear in games. Uh, the Clemson game, Last year, the loss at Clemson comes to mind where he only had one field goal attempt, you know, um, and that's that's not acceptable for for a player with the kind of talent that he has. But I, I do feel uh, I do feel for him sometimes being so reliant on people to get him the ball, because in that Miami game, you know, Carolina starts off first five shots are all three pointers. He's coming off of back to back 29 point games <laughs> that can't happen.
1: Yeah, feed so, him the ball, man, you know? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So I, I think, you know, he's certainly in the discussion. Um, I would also say, though, you know, there are some voters who look at whoever's winning the league <laughs> or, or, you know, at least top teams in the league and looks at best players off of those teams. And I would say Cameron Mcgusty has a pretty strong case, you know, to to be a, a player of the year candidate in there. Um who is that? That's four guys. No, that's five guys that we named. And I, believe, yeah, that's five. <laughs> yeah. I, I believe that's it. Like, I don't, I don't really know that anyone else will. Uh, I mean, maybe uh Kivi, Aluma, Virginia tech would, would garner some votes, but um, I don't see anybody outside of those five that I named being, being a real candidate.
1: Yeah. You know, Aluma is going to be hurt by the fact that the Hokies aren't are playing very well. Right. So, yeah um that but i i'm with you i at the start of the year he's you look at it, he's one of the better players in the league and he'd be a ca- uh, candidate for sure they're gonna have to start winning a lot more to get him up there uh you know the problem always with florida state there they are at the top of the standings again but they're so balanced that's the way leonard plays them right yeah. so um it's hard to look at one guy and go oh yeah he's he's the player of the year because he's from, from, from florida state because like raquan evans had the biggest shots you know he made the free throws to to win the game. And he made the shot at the buzzer to force overtime against yeah. Duke. He only scored six points. So <laughs> the four of <laughs> them were crazy. damn important, you know, so, um, but Johnny Butler, you know, the freshman's out there hitting three pointers at seven, one, he blocks the shot at the end. So, but again, nobody's going to get enough stats to kind of validate themselves. as like the, the leader of that team. So kind of throw yeah. them out. Uh, that that's just the way it is for Leonard Hamilton, but I don't think he cares. They win. That's all that matters. So, um, yeah,
0: it's funny, I think I think uh Matthew Cleveland might be their, their best player. <laughs> you know, and he's he's coming off the bench. He's not even starting for him yet. Uh well, right. n- not yet. He's not gonna start if we're 17 games in and he's not starting, but um, uh, but he's obviously accepted that role. And and I feel like Florida State is on the uptick because of that. Um I, I know, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. No,
1: no, I do want to get back to Alondis Williams and then what you said about him. You're right. Like when you look at you know, like in baseball, they always talk about you know, player of the year versus most valuable player, right? Alondis Williams is the most valuable player, probably. Oh
0: yeah, for sure. I mean,
1: the Wake wouldn't be where they are without him. I yeah. mean, they'd be back in the second division like they like they have been for the last few years, and he has really just brought you know not only scoring and rebounding and all that stuff, but just um, the attitude. I mean, he yeah. was talking smack with the Duke guys. <laughs> You know, even when they were down, you know, fourteen points or whatever, right? I mean, he's he's John, and just and that's fine. You know, he he brings some again life to the building, life to the team. Uh, So that you know, we'll see what that brings. I
0: I can't condone down fourteen smack talking, but I I I do like it in general principle. (laughs) Like you're the underdog, but you're not backing down, but. You know, once once that lead hits or that deficit hits 10, <laughs> I think that's when it needs to like
1: <laughs> <laughs> he was I'm, doing you know, it earlier and he continued it even then. So he didn't back down. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Now, the funny thing is now I'm gonna plug a story, Saturday story. Well, it'll probably post Friday evening, um, Saturday morning slash Saturday morning that I'm working on now on Alondis Williams and Brady Manick from North Carolina. Both of those guys coming from Oklahoma last year. So I talked to Lon Kruger um about both of those guys individually. And basically Lon, uh, Lon Kruger said that Alondas had this kind of potential. Like he he never scored. I don't I don't think he ever reached 20 at Oklahoma in any game. But um, you know, obviously he's had big games at Wake 36 uh, against VMI 34 against Charlotte. Um you know, he's, he's a big time scorer and Kruger basically was saying he showed that kind of potential in practice where he could, he could light it up and get on a roll. But, you know, as I said, he had two guys in front of him, you know, and he was just kind of, kind of stuck on the depth chart. And this is where a prime example, I know the transport portal takes a lot of heat, but this is an example of it it being a good situation for him to leave and, and blossom in a different situation. But it, uh, it, if Lon Kruger never retires, who knows? He's probably still there at Oklahoma
1: doing this. He got to choose, you know, and, and I do like that. I do like a guy that, you know, is it a power five program that that had potential to do more and thought, you know what, I'm going to look for myself a better situation where I can yeah. get that opportunity. And he did it. And because, you know, I'm, I'm one that doesn't kind of like where, you know, a guy's at a mid-major and doing really well. He may be player of the year. I think wow. Colleen Jones from Radford went to Louisville last year, right? Yeah. And uh, uh, I'm not a big fan of that. But, I mean, it's their it's their choice. They get to do what they want. But, anyway, I like this situation more. That's what I'm trying to say, where a Williams kind of sees another power five and says, I'm going to go there and make a big difference. And and there he goes and he does it. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's really brought a spark to the Deacons. Steve all credit to Steve Forbes for finding him and getting it done. And uh yeah, that's gonna be an interesting story. of you know, Brady Manic, they both left Oklahoma and they both found found homes in the ACC to uh uh to make a difference uh for Wake and Carolina. So they get to go at it on Saturday night in Winston. Yes. Uh I I think
0: that's gonna be an intriguing game. Um, by the way, Carolina and Wake Forest. And Duke is has Syracuse at home. So um you know, I, I I think Syracuse is probably one of the disappointing teams in my mind this this year. Um, actually, one of the names one of the names is Buddy Bayheim, Buddy Bayheim, who I think could have been in that Player of the Year conversation if Syracuse was having a better season. Because you know, to me, he's clearly the engine for for you know whatever what all they do offensively there.
1: That's a very good point. Yeah. Buddy Behan would be in there. And uh, yeah, boy, Syracuse uh, is just not, not what they usually are. They're barely 500 team. They're having trouble beating people at home, beating people on the road. Uh, the two, three zone is always going to be there. Always going to be effective. And that's something that uh, Duke has to get ready for here. They need, uh, you know, they need Ben Caro to have a big game. They need him. I can imagine him being kind of in the middle of that zone. Everybody likes to always, uh Always have a you know a player in the middle of the zone that can, you know, get the ball, you know, distribute it or shoot it. Bancaro seems perfect for that role against the two three. So I would think you'll see him in there. That'll be his opportunity. And you know, Mark Williams had a big game against Syracuse last year, uh, down, down in the paint, down in the post. Uh, so there could be opportunities there for some uh, you know, big to big passing, right? Post to post. You can get Bancaro and Williams going again. And uh, uh that would be something I, I know Duke's gonna want to do try to bounce back from that loss to Florida State and get going here cuz um after they lost to Miami at home you know there's a big team meeting about hey this is Cameron Indoor Stadium it's coach K's last year uh coach K didn't say that but other players did like they're not going well, to give a, give it up on the home court again so they've got Syracuse on Saturday and then Clemson on Tuesday night a quick turnaround two home games boom boom and then after that uh there's only going to be like uh, four home games left for coach K so we're getting kind of grinding it down here. it's coming fast. It's
0: crazy. yeah, the season is is flying by here. And obviously, you know, most of the teams aren't even halfway through the conference. well, none of the teams are halfway through the conference schedule yet. So we will see this this player of the year conversation obviously will continue as as the games get better, frankly, because it seems like the ACC, you know, for TV purposes, if nothing else, backloads the schedule so that the the games uh the the teams who are generally at the top all play in that back half of the season and in february so we'll we'll see the players emerge uh <laughs> for as far as that player to year conversation goes uh well i think that will do it for this acc now podcast um please continue to uh listen out for us click on subscribe and and Catch us every Tuesday and Friday. Uh, For Steve Wiseman, I am CL Brown. Also check out newsandobserver.com for more coverage of your favorite triangle schools. Thank you for listening.